Good morning and welcome to our first edition of Innovators Drinking Java. In this podcast series, we will dive into the world of education, reflecting on the question, how are today's teachers engaging students in their learning? We will be meeting up with teachers from around Frederick County who have inspired students and staff with their innovative strategies. We are here at Dublin Roasters in the heart of Frederick, Maryland. What I love about Dublin Roasters is that they feature organic and fair trade products, as well as special blends and flavored coffees, so that there's a little bit of something for every coffee lover. For non-coffee drinkers, I highly recommend the apple cider that I'm drinking today, or Sophie Madigan's hot chocolate. If you haven't been here before, it's a must-see. I'm Ann Duncan. I live in the beautiful mountains of Frederick County with my husband, Todd, and my dog, Samson, who <laughs> Laura absolutely loves. I do. I'm the media specialist at Walkersville Middle School, which is a school that serves six through eight students. I originally was an elementary teacher for nine years prior to getting my school library degree and have taught at a variety of schools around the county, including North Frederick, Spring Ridge, and Lincoln Elementary. And if we're talking about our favorite podcasts, like Laura, I love the cult of pedagogy. Um, and I also like Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history. Mm. Mm -hmm. Very good. Um, and also the balance. So Catelyn Tucker. Yes. Very good. Yes. Very good. Although I wish you would have more episodes. Me more too. consistently. Yeah, I agree. They're so good though. I'm Laura Shearer and I live in the country out in, out in Frederick County with my husband, James and our two dogs, Luna and Hercules, and my lovely daughter, Ella. I love the name Luna. Yeah, Luna Lovegood. We adore her. Um, I spent 10 years as a science teacher at Crestwood Middle School, Linganore High, and Walkersville Middle, and I now work in the Curriculum Instruction and Innovation Office as a technology teacher specialist. My favorite podcasters are Jennifer Gonzalez at Cult of Pedagogy, like Ann mentioned, and I'm also a huge Brene Brown um, fan. I am a big fan girl for her. So I really enjoy watching, listening to Dare to Lead and Unlocking Us. Talk about inspiring ideas. Absolutely. Yeah, she's great. This is our first episode of the podcast. And we are here with a colleague of mine, Evan Silver, from Walkersville Middle School. Evan is a sixth through eighth grade math intervention teacher with 25, I think, plus, plus years under his belt. He's also taught a variety of other positions, and Evan's here with us today. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I um, started my career actually in Loudoun County and taught one year out there, uh, and then it was a little too uh, vanilla for me, and I... <laughs> I wanted to try something new, so I packed up my bags and actually moved out to San Francisco and um, drove out there, not with any prospects of a job, but said, I'm going to do it. And um, wow. went to school by school, handed them a resume, got a job out there, and then eventually came back. Uh, I grew up in Rockville, so I, you know, living in Frederick County was kind of a, a natural thing for me and, and uh, spent the rest of my teaching career here in, in Frederick. 
That is awesome. I had no idea you moved out there. Yeah, that wow. was a lot of fun. What an adventure, really. Yeah. And you went to NYU, right? I and did. Then... Yeah, I um, studied classical civilization and marketing. So nowhere close to education at that time. <laughs> or Some... math. Or math. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think music might somehow fit <laughs> into math in some way. Yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually I was dating. Uh, a girl in uh, and she did a lot of volunteer in church and worked with kids and that's where I kind of got the bug that I was like oh I kind of like this it's kind of where the the teaching thing kind of crept in nice. I actually wanted to work because I was in New York City I wanted to work with uh, uh, Sesame Street <laughs> yes. and so that was my ultimate goal and right shows and things like that and, I love it. yeah that is great um, well, Evan, it is so great to have you here today. And Thank that you. actually is a good segue into our first question. Um, we would love to hear what it, what it was like for you um, starting out in your teaching career. So could you tell us a little bit about how you started out those first few years as a teacher? Um, I was, when I first came to uh, Frederick County, I taught at Parkway Elementary. And I was fortunate enough to have some really good people in my corner. Um, if I messed up, they were there to have my back, give me some feedback, and, and, and point me in the right direction. Mm. Um, I had a wonderful uh, mentor teacher. Parkway is a small school, so there was only, you know, two teachers per grade level. And so my mentor teacher, you know, she provided me with a lot of uh, support and lessons but I think more than anything, it was just kind of how she acted in situations. You know, I got to see her, you know, when kids misbehaved or, you know, how she interacted with parents or communicated with, you know, in, in a place where things could get stressful and just kind of learn from her. Um, and so I, I started at Parkway and, and moved my way to middle school and Monocacy Middle and had another great mentor teacher. Uh, my mentor teacher at Parkway was Cynthia Togans. Um, she's long retired by now and, and at uh, Monocacy was Rick Wisner and he was a great mentor as well. Took me under his wing, he said, here's the lessons, here's how I do it. And um, you know, uh, the classroom was side by side so I could kind of peek in and see how he was doing things and where he was at and check my pacing. So, you know, I, I've been very fortunate that way. Your mentor teachers are um, a huge plus, I think, in education. Yeah. 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 So what are some challenges you faced in the beginning of your teaching career? I think, like everyone else, not realizing how much work it takes to have a good lesson and, and come in prepared. You just can't open a book and say, hey, we're going to start on page one. You know, <laughs> that's not how it works. No. Um, and, you know, back then you didn't have the, the Internet resources that are out there now. I mean, so you really just had to take home the textbook, study it and figure out how you wanted to present it and, and create some sort of lesson that was, uh, you know, doable for the kids so they could be successful. Um, I still find that I'm putting in a lot of work these days too. You know, I may have a, a, a huge well of lessons, but I rarely um, year to year use that same lesson. You know, there's always something to tweak. And uh, my wife will attest, I'm, I'm coming home on Friday and I'm putting together lessons for the next week. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm working. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, can you tell us 
what kind of student engagement uh, strategies did you use in the beginning that you either realized were not a good fit and you pivoted from or ones that you've kept to this day? Sure. Um, I find that you know, you can only talk for so long and then the kids' <laughs> attention span will dwindle. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've, I've learned that, you know, usually the first five to eight minutes of class is usually where you can get the most information into their nugget, you know, noggin and, and, you know, have them retain it. And then after that, it's kind of like practice, practice, take a break, and then, uh, you know, regroup and, and kind of figure out what else do they need before they, you know, wrap up and go to the next subject? Sure. Yeah. Um, talking with them individually has helped a lot, um, especially, you know, now with the pandemic, yeah, you know, just having even a class of 35, just trying to make sure you, you touch base with each kid and walk around. Right. I always wear sneakers. I always <laughs> worn sneakers. You know? That is good advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comfy shoes. Mm-hmm. So in your 25 plus plus years of experience, you've had a lot of experience with student engagement. How has that changed over your years of experience? Or hasn't it changed? <laughs> well, I, you know, I like the creative part of it. And um, I'm always, I feel like, you know, you can kind of sense the audience and whether or not they're getting it or not. And you have to, you know, backtrack. I think that that type of feedback helps me. Um, and as I grew and had, you know, more of a sense of misconceptions and how students learn, I, you know, I, I was able to be a little more successful in the time that I had with them. Um, you know, when, when the students are just kind of, uh, you know, zoning out or getting in trouble, that was usually feedback to me. Uh, I need to change something. Um, Technology has been huge, you know, since since I first began, um, and then the pandemic, of course, going virtual and and trying to get that feedback to kids and and getting feedback for myself whether something was being successful has definitely changed. Um, wow, I think so. When you get that feedback from students that it's not working, how do you make how do you decide what where to go from there? I'd love to hear more about like about your mindset and about the process you go through in getting to a better solution. So it's it's just a bag of tricks, and sometimes you you make stuff up on the fly. <laughs> and uh, you know, I have uh, this year I have a uh, co-taught class um, with struggling learners, and I have two students who get it after you know a few practice problems and they just want to take over and you know you got 20 other kids who need some more practice and need to participate and so you just you try and figure out i want to encourage them but i need to hear more from others and so you know just recently i i told them they're my yes no girls all they can do is say yes or no so so they can't answer a question now but they can listen, which I thought was important, listen to other kids and their responses. And wow. then in unison, unison, they'll say, yes, you're correct. Or no, try again. Oh, that's so, great. You know, it's just it's things you do on the fly seem to work and other things don't stick or it doesn't work for another class. You know, it just all depends. I think um, partner work um, 
especially now, is really good for the kids to get them to communicate with, with each other. Um, this year, I, I broke the kids up into uh, kids that kind of knew it and kids that were struggling and put them together. And the struggling students start off as the writers, and they had to write. And the kids that got it were the talkers, but they couldn't say what the answer was. They had to ask questions. You know, what do you do first? What should you do next? Do you think you should multiply or add? And so they got really good at asking the questions. The kids, you know, had to think about it, and then they, you know, switched roles. So it's just, you know, who you have. And just being sensitive to, you know, what they need. Wow. Well, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Thank you, Evan. And we're back. And you had another question you wanted to ask? Yeah. So, Evan, I love how you per you're personalizing your learning for your students. What are other ways that you are personalizing learning for your students? Um, well, I think my attitude has a lot to do with it. I think if you come in with a positive attitude, because I know this can be a grind, and come February, that's when teachers kind of hit their dip. Um, you know, you, you just have to have positive attitude. You have to have, you say to yourself, they're eventually going to get it. They may not get it the day that you teach it, but eventually they'll get it. Um, I spend a lot of time thinking about well, what can I do so that they are successful. And you have different levels in the class, um, which always makes it, you know, a challenge. Um, I personally like when they're working together in just pairs, um, because that conversation is usually rich. And, you know, you can have a dominant one, but usually, it, you know, it balances out. Um, I tried something. I didn't call it speed dating, but that's kind of what it was. I do that in a library. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was quick match. Okay. Um, you know, so uh, kids would get a question. They would partner. I, I would partner them up at first, and we would have a, an outer ring and an inner ring. Um, and I, I basically I said, look, you may not like the person you're with, but you're not marrying them, so it's okay. It's just temporary. I think you can get away, you know, you, you can live with them. And we actually, before we get into these partners, we practice moaning and groaning and, and acting as if we don't like our partner. So they get it out of their system, <laughs> which usually I find is really effective. And I go along with it. I'm like, oh, man, man, I don't want to be with this person. You stomp your feet, get all dramatic. And then and then we get in our partners and it's good. They've already wow. got it out of their system. So little trick of the trade there. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, and so they'll, they'll spend some time solving a problem. Uh, I'll set a timer and then we'll, we'll go over the answer. And then uh, the inner circle will move uh, one way, right? And uh, it's just another, another way of changing something up and, and keeping them engaged. You know, they, yeah. they get to talk, they get to work with someone and they're productive. And I love the way that you integrated play uh -huh. into the activity so that they're able to um, laugh a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. humor goes a long way. Yeah. Really, and really does. important I part think, of a classroom. You know, when I have, uh, I've had a couple uh, uh, interns come through Hood and Mount St. Mary's and things mm -hmm. like that. And one of the things I, just to feel them out, I usually say, you know, we should really do a lesson with puppets. 
just to see no. how they will react. And, and so I, I have a bunch of puppets and I'll be one Me character too. and the other teacher will be the other. And what I say, you got to use voices, got to use voices. This is what's going to get them. Wow. So we usually have one lesson where, you know, they indulge me yeah. uh, and it's great. Um, and I oh, wow. had the opportunity of seeing that in action because he comes on my morning announcements uh, usually once or twice a year and, mm. and has Dr. Algebra mm -hmm. come oh, on dear. and it is phenomenal. The kids love it. That's so fun. It yep. really is. So Evan, how have your strategies for engaging students changed since the pandemic began in 2020? Um, or have they stayed the same? Well, I, <laughs> during the pandemic, you know, when we were virtual, it was a struggle, I'm no doubt, on the student end to to stay with the lesson. You know, they could easily turn off the camera, go get a snack, <laughs> play a video game, watch TV, fall asleep. And, uh, you know, at the end of the meet, hey, Johnny, you still there? Johnny? Johnny? Bueller? <laughs> and it just, it was, it was tough. So um, I, I tried... Uh, you know, hey, if I can get at least half of you to turn on your cameras and see me, I will surprise you. And so I tried that and, and um, they were like, ooh, you know, what, what is this about? And so I would turn off my camera too and say, this is how it feels. Can, can 10 of you turn on your cameras? And eventually, boop, 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 you know, come up. And um, so I would wear wigs. <laughs> Yeah, I'd have a clown wig, long uh, mullet, I'd have an afro, whatever. And i teach the whole lesson. I'm sure they took pictures and posted it, but, you know, it I was worth the it. the mullet was popular. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, business in the front, oh, party geez. in the back. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, and that got kids to come to class. It got kids to keep their camera on. It was fun to watch them, you know, laugh and, you know, it's whatever. I'm brushing my hair and <laughs> playing it up and, you know. Whatever, whatever you got to do. Amazing. That's yeah. great. great. Um, there was some technology that was very useful that I still use now, even though we're back in school. Um, you know, Pear Deck was incredibly useful because it was that instant feedback. I could scroll through and see what they're writing and say, hey, you need a negative there. Hey, you should add this. Um, do you use the independently paced or the classroom paste, the class paced Pear Deck? So a lot of my Pear Deck is initially set to instructor paced okay. so we can get in and I can force, I want to see what I need to see before I let their hand go. And, okay. and sometimes I'll say, you know, you're like my little birdies flying out of the nest. You know, you're either flying or you're, 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 you're flopping to the ground. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I don't want anyone to flop. So, you know, I got to make sure you, you know how to do this. And so usually the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes are, you know, I do, you do, let me make sure you got it. And then I'll turn it on to uh, the student paste. That's and, great. And for those of us that don't know what Pear Deck is, it's an interactive PowerPoint type of presentation, would you call it? Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And what I like about Pear Deck is like Evan was saying, there's different options on how you present it. and. Um, it can be a ta it's an add-on on Google for any Google Slides that you create. You can insert different questions, different types of questions to ask the students, different engagement strategies to have the students manipulate 
Um, but it's nice that you can have this, the instructor be the one in moving the slides along. Or like Evan was saying, you can let the students loose and they can actually, um, they can go at their own pace through the lesson and the instructor instructor can be watching in the background right. to see how they're doing. So. Right. And then I, I'll color code the slides so that when I'm going in for a grade or even the students know that, you know, a yellow background means these slides are graded. Oh, you know, right. so they'll have practice, practice, then graded, graded. And then at the last slide, there's usually a grid that says, you know, um, basically the objectives and, and, um, either, you know, have you got it and there's a yes or a not yet. I never, I never give no, it's not yet. Nice. And the last one is usually some weird one just to make sure they're reading. Like Ooh. I can army crawl to the front of the door without the teacher noticing, you know, just to see if, it, you know, or I can wear a sweater backwards and my friend will not tell me. Right. <laughs> So, you know, I can say, I can say my ABCs backwards, something just really simple, make sure that they're reading, oh, you know, and just add a little touch of fun. That's great. Yes. Yeah. I love it for the independent assessment too. It's mm -hmm. great for assessment. Mm -hmm. So where do you, you, you have that information through those assessments. Where do you go from there? So a lot of it, um, Pear Deck, I struggle with, you know, it's, it, you have, your lesson already prepared. So if you do see some kids struggling, it's difficult for me, maybe not for someone else, but you know, old dog here um, to add a slide and get that extra practice. And what I found was um, two other websites through virtual teaching that I use. One was Canvas and Canvas allows me just to demonstrate what it is I need them to do and I don't necessarily see them interact. I know Jamboard's a little more like that. Um, and then the other one that I really, really like is whiteboard.fi. I don't know if you guys have heard of that, but that allows me, I can put like a coordinate plane on my um, screen, I can graph a linear equation, and then I can push that out to all their other whiteboards. And, and we can, I can see exactly what they're doing, how fast they're doing it, where they're struggling and give that direct feedback. Oh, then I can slide back into a Pear Deck if I, you know, so I like Pear Deck because I can lock it down and say, okay, enough is enough. I've seen, you know, we're not getting it right. and kind of jump into this other technology. That's awesome. Uh, we're going to take another quick break and we'll be right back. What does student engagement look like for you in your classroom now? Um, to a certain degree, I guess it's, you know, organized chaos. You know, it's it's the chatter, them working, um, having fun and being productive. Uh, if I see that and walk around, um, I know that we're having a pretty good day. It doesn't necessarily translate to uh, everybody understanding, but at the same time, it's a lot of good skills that, that the kids need. So do you have a favorite learning activity or a game that you play with students? I know I had the opportunity of walking in your classroom one time and you were doing a stock market challenge. Mm. And I think that's when you weren't doing intervention. Uh -huh. You were a regular, I don't want to call it a regular classroom teacher, but uh -huh. you were a classroom teacher. Um, and I personally was so impressed by that because it really was real life. It was authentic instruction to me. 
So can you expand a little bit more on like the games that you play or the things that you do in your classroom to engage students sure. past and maybe, you know, and you've talked a lot about yeah. things you do presently. I, I think, you know, any opportunity you can in math, you know, they're always, what are we going to use this for? Yeah. You know, when yeah. am I going to see? And, and yeah. you know, truth is not all the time are you going to, you know, have to convert a fraction to a decimal. <laughs> it just is done for you, you know, or you carry a calculator in your phone. Um, so anytime like the stock market, you can have that discussion, you know, when we do interest, we talk about CDs, you know, and, you know, how you can earn interest and we call that free money and that gets them engaged and they talk about that when they go home. Uh, you know, sometimes I get messages or the kids will come back and say, yeah, I opened up a CD, you know, so that's always good. Um, I think, uh, one of the activities I do on Pi Day is read a book, mm -hmm. you know, and My circumference, you know, and, uh, you know, of course, use voices, get their attention, <laughs> um, you know, and they're not used to that in middle school, you know, and they, they definitely, yeah. you know, regress to that third grade sitting on a carpet, you know, and they, <laughs> they sit up straight and they have some fun with it. So, But they do awesome. love being read too. Mm -hmm. People a lot of times think that middle schoolers don't like being read aloud to. They love it. Yeah. Grandfather Tang is another favorite. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, some of the other things, uh, this year I tried a new game called You Don't Want to Win. And actually everybody does win, but they don't want to win the prize. That I, so they, they earn points for getting problems right. They work together to do this. And um, it's kind of like a, the white elephant twist, you know, or everybody has a number and they, if they get a problem right, they can keep the number or they can switch with someone else. Oh. Right. And they just don't know what they're going to win. And I keep emphasizing, this is not something you want to win. <laughs> and uh, at the end I have a, a Google slide and, you know, it goes, it goes one by one. You know, if you have card number one, you win. Da -da -da -da, and we do a little drama, a stick from Mr. Silver's house. Right. It's just <laughs> terrible stuff. All right. Number two is lint from the dryer. Right. I mean, it's just terrible. Um, you know, so number five is Mr. Silver sock. Right. And then, <laughs> you know, it. towards the end, number 23 is Mr. Silver's other sock. You know, oh my like, oh, make a sock puppet. Right. Wow. So it's just terrible. You actually get these to them. Absolutely. I oh, come with fantastic. this whole bag. I shake it, you know, and then I put it in the back room. I said, well, we'll bring it out later. You know, it's just stuff you don't want. Oh, and it's great. Nice. I, it's like a, a free yard sale for me. I get rid of all this junk from my house that I don't want. And, Those extra know. socks. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's just junk, but they love it. They, they, some kids will turn that one of the kids turned a sock in in uh to like an armband and brought it in the next day and decorated it and said, i got it mr so i love it whatever fantastic yeah i've heard of that game being played with only five prizes and mm -hmm. students have to write down their name for which prize they want yes and then at the end some of them are good and some of them are just plain awful like paprika mm -hmm. yeah container of paprika <laughs> yeah. um the problem i had with that is that students would start picking on each other and writing, scratching off names of kids that get picked on more than others. And yes. Ganging up on each other. And I didn't like that. So I really like your way of doing it where everybody gets a prize. Everyone's a winner, you know, yes. quote unquote. Yes. 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 Yeah. Love that idea. Um, well, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. 
I'd like you to tell us a time recently, or not so recently, when you tried something new and it flopped. <laughs> um, it it happens more often than not. You know, yeah. you, you envision how the lesson's going to go, uh, and then you just have blank stares, um, and you just you just like, okay, this isn't working. A lot of the time. I'm finding now it's the technology. The Wi-Fi goes down. Schoology's not up. Google yeah. Drive's being mm-hmm. finicky. Um, and you're like, yikes, that's yes. where everything is. And, you know, so you have to, you have to be flexible. Um, I think if the kids see that you're not stressing out and it's, hey, I make mistakes it's okay. And, you know, just go with the flow. They're good. They're good about it. And they're respectful. I think if you, if you did it day in, day out and had these things, you definitely have behavior problems. But if if you have that rapport with the kids, it's good. Um, I think the benefit of middle school is, you know, you kind of teach the same lesson a couple times. And so by the end of the day, you've worked out some of the tweaks and you figured out yeah. oh, this is where they're going to stumble. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so by the end of the day, the lesson is probably a little better than how you started. Um, but a lot of the times, is, you know, of course, it's just stuff you don't anticipate. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me what you do. What? How do you prepare or kind of what do you do when the tech goes down? Because that's an issue that every teacher has. Oh, yeah. What's in your toolbox for how to handle it when tech goes down? Do you just throw the lesson out the window? Do you find a different way to put it on? Like, So it depends on it depends on the, the lesson itself. But, okay. um, you know, this year I'm blessed to have this nice 50-inch screen, touchscreen, whiteboard. You mean box, a box this, light? The box light. The box light. Yes. I yes. wasn't sure if I was able to name it by oh, we name. we call it the box yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so, you know, if technology goes down, that's that sucker is still good. You know, <laughs> you can really, you can teach a lot from it. Um, but um, I'm, I find that I can put paper in a little plastic sleeve and do dry erase boards, you know, for kids. And we just do, you know, a single problem at a time and and just, you know, make our way through a lesson that wasn't as big as what I thought it was going to be, but, you know, they're still walking out with something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what are you learning now that you hope to try out in your classroom in the future? Mm. Um. There are a couple, you know, I'm not a huge reader, sorry. <laughs> I'm okay. not a good, you know, I don't do, I'm not a lot in I'm social media. I'm not a mathematician either. You know, no one's judging here. Twitter I'm science. That. But, you know, I did do a book club a uh, year, year and a half ago on the powerful teaching. Nice. And, and you know, it, it confirmed a lot of what we already knew, which mm-hmm. is good. But at the same time, it just brings it back to the front of your brain. You're like, mm-hmm. oh, man, I haven't done that for a while. And so um, the interleaving uh, yeah. was, is kind of the new word that they use now that I you know, didn't know that was the word you use. But, you know, just, you know, don't teach add, 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 subtract, 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 multiply, multiply, but mix mm-hmm. it up mix it up and, and have some different levels of, uh, you know, difficulty on top of that. And that really gets their brains going. You know, we, we, 
a lot of my warm-ups are going back and having them delve into unit one and unit two. And it's, it's not only good for, you know, putting back in the front of their memory, but also for state testing purposes. Mm -hmm. So um, the interleaving piece is, is one that I, I keep in mind quite a bit now. Um, uh, teach like a champion um, mm -hmm. is another good book that I use as a resource. Um, I like it because it's not necessarily stories. It's like little chunks. So, you know, you can take and pick all these great ideas and say, I'm going to try that one. And so, um, you know, uh, I, if a kid says, I don't know, you, do, you, you say, okay, that's fine, but you're going to listen to this kid over here, give the answer, and then I'm come back to you. Right. So that no excuse, you're, you're still going to be held accountable. Just I'll come back to you. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, they hopefully feel like they've contributed and they can, you know, participate and it's a no threat type of thing because they've already heard the answer. They just have to parrot it back and it gets them back into the lesson. So uh, I'm trying that now with a, a lot of the reluctant learners. All right, Evan, are you ready for the rapid fire question? Yeah, you put me on the spot here. <laughs> I am. All right, here we go. Okay. Favorite lesson or unit you currently teach? Oh, goodness. Um, I probably like the Pythagorean theorem. Okay. Sounds weird, but um, the kids, that's probably one of their first lessons where they look at it and it just looks like a foreign language. And by the time, you know, two weeks later, they're like experts. And I say, you know, look at this, you know, look how far you've come and you can, you can put this on the refrigerator and your parents are going to be so impressed, you know? <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, Pythagorean theorem. Awesome. Oh, oh, and uh, it has, you can talk about real life. In The Wizard of Oz, when the Scarecrow gets his brains, he yeah. recites the Pythagorean Theorem, but he does it incorrectly. Ooh, and there are so no. many errors in what he says. So we have fun. The last part of that unit is listening to the Scarecrow say it and busting him because he's got it completely wrong, and yet he it. has the brains. I wonder if they know that. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, worst time of the day or the year to teach? Goodness. <laughs> well, I said in February, you kind of have that slump. You know, the, the, you walk in, it's dark. You leave, it's dark. And, you know, there's no break. You just came back from winter break. So that's a rough time for a lot of new teachers. Um, I think testing time coming up is also rough because a lot of classes get out of sync. You know, you see some classes during the day and then other classes you don't see for a couple days and like your lessons are so wonky. Um, that's, it's a juggling act then. Yeah. And finally, what's one piece of advice about teaching that someone's given you that was so amazing you have to share it or so terrible you have to warn people about it? <laughs> um, and this was pulled from Brene's, Brene Brown's podcast, so shout out to her. <laughs> um. I, I, it goes back to, I think, of a lot of my mentors and just how they react in certain situations and how they held themselves um, and, and that they were professional and kind. Um, you know, our, our principal now, that's how she ends every announcement is just be kind. <laughs> um, but I think it, it's kind of the golden rule, you know, do unto others as you would do to yourself and just, you know, treat each other with respect. Yeah. 
Well, thank you so much, Evan, for joining us for our first episode today. Yay! Uh, really appreciate it. We will have episode two, I believe, coming in May, right, Laura? That's right. Um, Stay tuned. Innovators Drinking Java. <laughs>